This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Gav Buckland, Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and of course. There has been a managerial change on Thursday night around 7 o'clock. We got news that Michael Silver's 18-month reign as Blues boss had been brought to an end. Swiftly followed by a club statement and the news that Duncan Ferguson will take temporary charge and be in the dugout at least for one game, maybe longer, let's see, starting with Chelsea tomorrow lunchtime. Um, and so we're here to analyse, sift through the wreckage of Silver's reign, the decision, the crazy day that ultimately brought the decision and brought an end to his time at the club um, and ask where next and who next. Um, we'll start We'll start generally with the manager and I'll start with um, a couple of questions specifically to each of you on, on Marco Silva. Um, Gav, first of all, was it the right decision to sack Marco Silva yesterday? We are recording. <laughs> Uh, on the balance of probabilities, yes. Um, but I would not have been too upset if he'd come out on yesterday and said, but given Marco time. I'll give you a much quicker answer. Yes, 100%. Um, 53 league games, I think he was in charge for. Uh, we've got a minus goal difference uh, in that time. Um, just cast your mind back and just think of that 18-month reign. And I totally get you know, why managers need time, why you've got to try and be patient. You've got to be as you know, so patient as possible. And I was preaching that only three or four weeks ago. But cast your mind back. How many matches jump out in those 18 months as memorable games? I can think of one, the 4-0 against United. Mm. I'm struggling really to think of any others. I can't think of an identity, you know, so a, a definable shape that the team was committed to. Um, and I just think that when you've had 18 months, you have spent money and you're in the bottom three. I think the, the board had, had to act quickly and they did. So much as I liked Marco Silva as an individual, um, I think the decision was correct. Adam? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was the right decision. I think, you know, we were speaking before the derby that, you know, if, if the defeat was bad enough, then the board's hand was forced essentially over Silver's future and I think, you know, after watching that we all we all kinda knew. I think there was there was almost like an air of acceptance around Anfield after that as everyone just thought yeah, that's probably that's probably the last game that they're gonna play for him. Uh, I said after the Leicester game that I did feel sorry for him because I thought uh, you know, it wasn't exactly his system that was to blame for that Leicester defeat. Uh, it was individual errors, but I think his you know, you can't you can't be blaming bad luck for that Anfield defeat. I think that that was more down to his his choices in especially in terms of formation and how Everton started the game. I think that was crucial to, you know, the embarrassing way in which Everton did end up losing and, you know, when when the book stopped with him for a performance like that, then, you know, he he he'd find it really difficult to survive that game. You've got to start a match, a derby match especially, with intensity. Remember that old Joe Royal quote about, uh, you know, the midfield were tackling crisp packets that were blowing across the pitch. You know, you expect that in a derby. And Jurgen Klopp made his changes to his starting eleven that, you know, you could argue weakened their side. But they maintained their intensity as a result of that. And for the first 15 minutes, they were flying around, you know, sort of throwing, pressing tackles, you name it. We weren't. And that's got to come down to the manager. That disappointed me the most. I mean, mm. the system was wrong, clearly. Uh, and he changed that as quickly as he could. 
But the intensity was lacking. It's a derby match, for God's sake. You know, there needed to be a lot more intensity than we saw uh, that night. OK, the second question is specifically about Silver, and I was asked this before, and, and <laughs> it stumped me a little bit. Um, how will Michael Silver be remembered at Everton, amongst Evertonians? Think, I'm thinking back to uh, last pod, Planet was talking about Man United going down in 74, yeah. and uh, Frank O'Farrell was the manager before uh, Tommy Dockers had took him down. Frank O'Farrell joined in 71. 71, was it? Yeah, left in 72. And there was somebody said after after he, uh, after his departure, said he, 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 he came as a stranger and he left as a stranger. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of that in Marco. And that's not necessarily a criticism. It's just that's what I, that's what that's what I, I think he'll be remembered as. Really, somebody that the supporters didn't really know. No, yeah, yeah. I and mean, there's lots of reasons for that. When you're there for eighteen months for a start, and we spoke about sometimes his language difficulties and things like that on an earlier pods, and that 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 was my first thought really. Um, about why, you know, when you look back in four or five years' time, how how he'll be remembered, you know, and th- strangely for somebody who's obviously got natural warmth from what, what I understand, but maybe that sometimes didn't come across, uh, and um, I think that's maybe well as speaking as a supporter, well, perhaps I'll think mm. about him. Brennan? No, that's a very fair summing up by Gav. That yeah, um, we didn't know a great deal about him. I mean. I had the good fortune to sit down with him about 12 months or so ago, I think it was, and he came across very well, uh, very, as you know, Phil, you know, he's, he's a very decent man, he's a very uh, nice guy to talk to, but every time I tried to push him on a little bit about himself, about you know his personal circumstances, about dealings with the fans, he gave absolutely nothing away. And I understand that people want to keep their private lives private, but you can do that and still give the fans a little bit of an insight into the kind of person you are. I mean, Roberto Martinez was very good at that. Uh, obviously, he had lots of you know, different faults, but you know, he's, he's talked about his, his L-shaped couch at home that he sat on one end and his missus sat on the other while he was watching Match of the Day while his wife was watching soaps or something. And OK, it's all utterly meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but it just lets you think about that person as a human being you know, rather than just this you know, fairly uh, expressionless character who sits in the dugout and you know, sort of formulates tactics and shapes and things. And it helps you know, when you're under pressure uh, as he was, people see the, the human being, the man behind that, and might be prepared to give you a little bit more time or, you know, so be a little bit more patient before they jump to conclusions. Um, we, n- we never really saw that. Um, so, yeah, he's a man who we probably will remain anonymous, you know, so go- going forward, because we didn't really know a great deal about him. And as I mentioned earlier, not many of the matches under his charge were particularly you know, memorable. Art? Yeah, that's a. I think it falls more onto his playing style, really. I think as a person, you know, he'll, he'll be remembered as the nice guy who finished last, really. Yeah. Because, you know, he, I think he is, like, as we all know, he's such a... He is a lovely person to, you know, talk to and, you know, talk football with. And uh, he, you can tell he clearly loved working for Everton and he loves the game as well. But uh, his team on the pitch, I think it's what you said before, Preno, there's, they, they were lacking identity in the end. Mm-hmm. They were caught between... Wanting to be this, you know, solid defensive unit, but while pl- wanting to play this expansive brand of quick attacking football, and I think we saw we saw both sides of that uh, in the Merseyside derby. You know, I think we played 
played this defensive line, which was you know trying to keep keep Liverpool at bay, but we were trying to press them high at the same time, and it was just leaving 40, 50 yards of space in the middle of the pitch where they had three midfielders who were just absolutely running riot. So yeah, unfortunately, so Silver will go down as you know a bit of an anonymous character in the you know in the grand annals of Everton's history. I'd, I'd argue. We actually were prepared for a high-pressing game from Liverpool. Uh, and, you know, I actually said in the last podcast, you know, we need to start knocking the ball long and play the ball, you know, in the third of the pitch. That's what Liverpool did. Yeah. They, they played long ball football on Wednesday and did it very, very successfully. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't handle it. Another very, very bad night at Anfield. Yeah, I think I think the other, the other phrase to use about Silver is, is hard done by. Mm. Yeah, he, he had lots of misfortune throughout yeah. those eighteen months with I injuries think, and VAR decisions. And as much as he, he picked Sigurdsson ahead of Schneiderlin, which he should, he should never have done on a, on 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 Wednesday, he could point quite legitimately key moments this season. Yeah, he didn't have to look at a draw, and also he, he's lost two, three midfielders, and also, you know, probably for another discussion, but whether. He got what he wanted off his director of football in the summer. Is it is probably a moot point mm. in terms of the key positions in in the team, and uh, and I think he he could probably tell now that yeah I, I've been sacked, but actually where the team is at the moment is not necessarily down to me completely as an individual. It goes down to the role as a coach in the modern game. The coach is just a, a piece of a jigsaw now in mm. in a football club, isn't it? It's not the the Alex Ferguson, David Moyes type type scenario you are just one working part of a football club and that's it. what goes on on the pitch is a, is, a, is is a result of maybe three four people and um is that is that why and, and, and I think he could say I think he could say yeah I'm to blame but I'm not totally to blame and this is kind of a moot point because ultimately it's probably semantics but in terms of what it kind of indicates do you think whoever comes in as the permanent replacement and I know he's already in the club statement, been referred to the next manager. Do, do we actually have to appoint a head coach and um, and absolve the extra responsibilities that come with being a manager, almost, and, or alleviate you know some of that sort of, I won't say influence, but you know what I mean, and and, and actually have Marcel Brands full, almost fully in control of football matters. Well, I'm a big believer in a manager has to manage. Uh, a manager has to be omnipotent at a football club. He makes the decisions. The director of football can create a strategy and can create an overall, you know, sort of business plan, if you like, which is what uh, Marcel Brands has done very successfully. But the book stops at the manager's desk. Therefore, he should make the decisions. If he wanted Mario Mandzukic, you know, so in the uh, in the summer, which we're told, you know, so he did, even though he's 33. So, so what? Go ahead and get him. And you know, we've said it millions of times. We've suffered so much through not having a centre forward replacement for Romelu Lukaku. Moise Keane might become that replacement in time, but he isn't at the moment. Uh, therefore, you know, that was a that was a wrong decision. Uh, but I think that the manager has to have the overall responsibility. You know, for transfers. You argue about it, you know, you should sit down with you know, the director of football and argue why it's so vital that he needs a particular player and he should get his way in the end. You know, it's, it's the old Brian Clough argument, isn't it? You know, we discuss it amongst ourselves, we, you know, so we, we pitch it about and then we decide I was right all along. Um, you know, because he's the guy that's going to get the sack, not the director of football. Any team in the bottom three or 15 games of a season, of course, has to 
has to be have their eyes open. But do you think generally um, the situation, how things have unfolded, and where we are, and changing manager again? Do you think that we all have to reassess our expectations for the next remainder of this season and the season after that? Maybe even for a couple of years. Do you think we've been? And I'm just I'm just sort of thinking out loud. Do you think we've been overly <coughs> unrealistic to think to think we could finish sixth this season? Have the realities yeah. of a squad rebuild, young players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, things that you talked about there, Gav. You know maybe a director of football, not being able to or not not yeah. giving the coach and the manager exactly what he thinks the squad needs. Does that mean that we actually, we need to think, we just need that to... Was, that was one of the reasons why I said I wouldn't have been unhappy if they said Silver, they would have stayed, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think the unreasonable expectations are six this season. Okay. Well, who's the start? Sheffield United, Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah, because we all knew that there was some of the bigger clubs were going to struggle yeah. or the historical. So I don't think six by any stretch of the imagination. And and it'd be interesting to see what six gets in terms of points this season. Mm. I mean, you could end up getting six, but uh, sixty. Well, I mean, sixty to sixty. At this stage, only seven points off six. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. Did yeah. uh, have have we again? Just thinking out loud, have we overestimated the squad? I think the problem is all the pieces. All the pieces are there. It's just that <coughs> we Everton haven't been able to put them together yet. So, like, every, all the fans have these expectations because they can see all the all the pieces are there. You know, we've got some incredibly talented players in that squad. You know, we we had a manager who you know uh, had turned the team round and got them playing some really nice football towards the end of last season. You know, another strong summer behind them. You know, all the pieces were were in place. It was just. You know, for one reason or another, you know, injuries, uh, not getting a striker in the, you know, not getting a first team striker in the summer, not getting <coughs> uh, that centre back replacement for Kurtzuma. You, you know, d- d- all those, all those problems have ended up building up and building up to the position we are now. But I think mm. the expectations were were right. Uh, yeah, I think I think. think I think that's right. I, I see what I don't, are you getting a real feel that actually overestimate. Overestimating the balance of the squad is probably more of a worrying question. Deeper, but that, not yeah, stronger. Yeah, yeah. That what Adam mm. was saying there is. Yeah, we've got some good players, but actually, it's not what we've got; it's what we're missing is the issue. And what and we may have in eighteen months, two years, when the players in that squad are yeah, older, yeah, 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 or or, or not. Um, and and I think I think you're right there. It was quite obvious in the summer, and we said it a zillion times is not having a full centre half is going to cost us at some point during the season and it has done yeah. and that, that has not been helped by the fact that we've not had first choice midfield or even our second choice midfield some would, some would say and also the fact that when you saw our results in pre-season we were obviously going to have trouble scoring goals I know so, you do, so, I, I did reflect on pre-season the other day and, and obviously understandably People are right when they say you take pre-season with a pinch of salt, etc., etc. But <laughs> the big issue in pre-season has been one of the big issues. Yeah, yeah. and 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 it's quite obvious last season, even at the end, that we relied on two players to score goals for us, Sigerson and Charleston. Yeah, and if one or both of them stop scoring, then that makes makes that even worse. And mm-hmm. Siggy's got one goal this season, has he? Something like that, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so that's why we got was it. Was it 15 goals from 16 games or something? Like quite alarming stat that uh, yeah. I was told last night because obviously we were at the game on Wednesday and didn't didn't get to see it. But the 15 minute period where mm. um, 
Sigurdsson's in touch the ball. Yeah. yeah, but that's because of the way he's playing on the pitch. I mean, using the second Brian Clough quote of the uh, <laughs> of, of the of the podcast, Brian Clough's one of his quotes is that the biggest sin in football was giving somebody a job on the pitch that they can do what I haven't got the tools to do. And I think you can you can you can criticise Silver quite legitimately for playing somebody as we said on like Tuesday as a sort of nine and a half, isn't he? On the pitch, half centre forward, half number ten, mm. playing him like as a sort of holding midfield player or to whatever. Not, to not touch the ball, then. Yeah, is, and, uh, yeah, is, I, yeah. I get that, but yeah. part of that, part of that is you understanding your role and where to receive the ball and all mm. that. I'm just talking about Sigurdsson's performance in general, of which you can you throw that stat on them. But when I first heard that stat, mm. I just thought, well, that's because you play for the start. One of the thing thing doesn't doesn't absolve him from blame. But one of the things in that is actually he's a centre forward. The fact that he's playing holding midfielder, yeah, it's, it's almost like yeah. the Nick Barnby uh, situation all over yeah. again. If he was a club record transfer fee when Everton bought him, and no one knew where the hell he was going to play. Yeah, and it was only ultimately uh, where Walter Smith found a role for him on the left of midfield, which nobody had expected at all. Yeah. Suddenly got him his recall to the England squad and his you know admiring glances from across the park. Yeah, uh, Sigurdsson, you know, is a number ten. But the system in which we play at the moment, you know, four-two-three-one, is it ideally suited for that? I don't know. It's you've got to build a team around them, and we, we can't really do that at the moment. Yeah. And so it is. It, it's another square peg in a round hole, and it's not worked. Yeah, but that, that's the point, isn't it? Isn't it's when we say quite likely we've got some talented players, but have we got talented players that even fit into the system? And he, he'd be he'd be one of them. Okay, we, we're slightly deviated with a bit of a Sigurdsson analysis there, but if the panel today have, have said Silver will be remembered as somebody that we didn't know or fans did not have an opportunity or, or, or were able to relate to. His replacement, his temporary replacement, Duncan Ferguson, is somebody we know more about. Um, what type of man on the touchline, what type of manager do we think he will be on Saturday? I have to say, I'm, I'm being completely honest here, I'm a little underwhelmed by the appointments. Um, Again, because we don't know a great deal about his, uh, his qualifications as a coach. Um, he's been there quite a long time, but you know, clearly, you know, he famously doesn't give many media interviews, so we don't know a great deal about you know, so what he does, what his capabilities are. We know he will rouse the crowd on Saturday because you know, so quite rightly, he's very celebrated by the Gladys Street, and you know, they love the fella. So that's that's a positive. Mm. It will get the crowd on side, you know, because the, the last you know, so home match was a very you know a negative crowd experience. Indeed. Um, so that's a plus, but quite what he brings uh, in terms of coaching acumen and tactical acumen, I genuinely don't know. Um, you know, seeing a couple of guys from the youth academy, Franny Jeffers and John Ebble alongside him, you know, you know, lovely fellas though they are, also you know, you know, raises my eyebrows a little bit. But you know, it's a temporary appointment, isn't it? I'm surprised that David Unsworth wasn't asked again, and I know. Um, you know, people will say, "Well, it's the third time." You know, so why would you go back there again? But it's a safe pair of hands. You know, he he did it successfully against Norwich with Joe Royal. Um, he ended his last spell successfully against West Ham, even though Sam Allardyce tried to claim the credit. Hmm. Um, but you know, so he did. You know, so sort of an okay job in the circumstances. You know, and we know he could do it again. So I'm a little bit surprised that you know, so they decided to go elsewhere uh, for the caretaker management. But we'll see. You know, so the, the evidence will be out there on Saturday. It's a, it's a harsh, unforgiving environment, uh, the Premier League, and you know we'll we'll understand very very quickly. You know, so how good it otherwise Duncan is. Um, it's temporary. But how long do we think realistically he will be in the dugout? Do you think he will still be temporary, in, in, in brackets, but manager of Everton Football Club? Um, by the time we play the quarter-final against Leicester? 
No, I'm saying that because Arsenal <laughs> have had yeah. Freddie Lundberg in charge for two games. The third game is this weekend. If we have Duncan in charge for three games, I think that takes us to the to the quarters, doesn't it? I, I, I hope it's not the case. I hope that, you know, I don't want Everton to rush this managerial search no. by any stretch, but, you know, it, it's not it's not as if this silver sacking has come out of the blue. He was under intense pressure before that Merseyside derby. Like, I'd have liked to have thought that discussions were, were at least made to, tr- to try and identify somebody who could be the man to come in next, even before Silver was sacked. And now that it's happened, you know, it, it's still a good week, over, over a week until we play Manchester United. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd hope that's enough time to interview a few candidates and get somebody in place. Because, you know, Lundberg has had a... Well, this will be his third game this weekend, but that was in the sp- that's only in the space of a week as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really, like... Uh, obviously, I'm, sp- I'm speaking before we've seen how how much Ferguson might motivate the squad, etc. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we have a permanent replacement in D- fairly quickly. This depends on results, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a caretaker manager who got the job permanently because he went on this ridiculous run of her victories. Um, if Duncan Ferguson, you know, can put together... Three victories and you know in the you know quick succession, that buys the board a bit of time. You know, they don't need to make a, a, a quick decision. They can wait until other candidates become available. It's a results business, you know. So obviously, if they lose the next three, it becomes absolutely imperative that a permanent manager is, uh, is found and appointed very very quickly. Yeah, but, course, Ga- but Gav, so I was just going to say, you know, fingers crossed, Duncan can get a reaction and we can pick up some points, etc. But there's a very distinct possibility that we will still be in the wrong part of the table, maybe still in the bottom three by... So, the manager that the football club are going to have to yeah. appoint not only has to be the manager for the long term, the manager for who the club believe can take the club forward, but he also has to hit the ground running. He also has to be able to get a reaction out of players to potentially yeah. pull the club out of the mess. Yeah. Who is that? I mean, that is well, that, yeah. Because that's almost like... You're almost having to amalgamate the, the and inverted commas, qualities of a firefighter a la Big Sam and somebody who's progressive, um, forward-thinking, you know, got strong identities in a more positive way. Who, uh, Who is that man? He's absolutely a super question. manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what to, to answer that. I'm not, I'm yeah. not no, saying no, you've no, got to no, the yeah. name, but I, yeah. this is the thing that I'm thinking... I, how have we got to a situation where we're having to find a manager who can do all of that? Yeah, yeah I, and there's a couple of things there. There's the firefighting bit. I'm not so sure about because Adam said, "What are we? Seven points? Seven points? So away we're not we're not cut adrift from the rest of the Premier we League we at this stage. Like a bottom three team. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's because you set them up wrong, you know. But we actually didn't defend like that on uh, Leicester, did we? Fair enough. Yeah. You know, so that's the first thing yeah. I'd say. Um, so in some respects, I don't think we're as bad in the baddest position. Is what people are saying, so yeah. I don't think we're in firefighting. The, the, concern, the concern I've got is can, for Ferguson on Saturday is you, was, you know that that thing about oh you know getting the players playing. Well, I think the players have been playing, so I'm not I'm not anticipating a massively different performance on Saturday compared to what we've been playing like for about the last four or five weeks. It's not as if like you know. When, when like Mourinho got sacked, or even when like Cumin got sacked, that actually you know the the, the team is broken and they yes, weren't playing yeah, for the manager, yeah, etc., etc., etc. Et so anybody knew coming in was going to get a. You, you spoke. I think you said reaction was the phrase. Yeah. There. I don't think 
I don't think I'm not expecting a massive reaction. Mm. Well, because I'm not. I'm not saying that the players weren't playing for silver, yeah. and that actually, from, from what we've heard, is actually they actually liked them and like working with them. Mm. That 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 that's my concern for Duncan on on Saturday, and if he's playing, you know, if he has a, has a couple of games, I'm not. I'm not going to necessarily see a massive change in the players. I think Body's got an opportunity to set the team up better than what Marco did on on Wednesday. And I think that I think I think the challenge for the manager coming in is just to set the team up a little bit better. Mm. But he's got limited he's got limited <laughs> options Indeed. with no midfield and well, let's face it, no goal scorer. Um and, and also limited options at the back. But I think there's something workable there for a new manager coming. I'm not like, yeah. But going back, we've not answered your question before about like what's a longer term assessment. I think we do have to reassess what we want to do longer term. We won't have the money, will we, for the start? Well, yeah, and it's what type of manager yeah. do we want? Yeah, mm. you know, what what road do we go down? Mm. I mean, hopefully, the point of new manager before the next set of accounts are reduced. <laughs> well, well, indeed. <laughs> oh, I was argue the appointment of Ferguson isn't isn't necessarily to get a reaction from the players, I'd say. It's to get a reaction from the Goodison Park crowd. Yeah. For this, nobody nobody they could have brought in will get a bigger reaction from the crowd at Goodison than Duncan Ferguson for this chip for this Chelsea game. And after, you know, what we said about the last game against Norwich, after how toxic that atmosphere ended up going, they needed they needed a massively different response. You know, Duncan Ferguson's gonna walk onto the sides of the pitch, everyone's gonna be singing his name. Instantly, the crowd are going to be up for it behind them for a big game against Chelsea. It's exactly what happened against Chelsea last season, and we ended up beating them two 0 You know, they, I feel like the the crowd really got behind the team on that on that occasion and really pushed them towards that victory. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against that the same afternoon again this time. No, it's a good shout because I mean, it's an early kickoff as well, twelve thirty, which are notoriously flat atmospheres. Mm. So you know his presence on the touchline will hopefully counter that quite significantly. Mm. Mm. In the uh, after, immediate aftermath of Wednesday's defeat at Anfield, um, word was coming through to ourselves and and other um, national newspaper reporters. That the feeling was that obviously Silver was on the brink, which, which which turned out to be correct. But what sh- what hasn't materialised, and in the in the shifting sands of a crazy Thursday, the prospects of David Moyes coming into the football club have appear to have dwindled because the opportunity looked like it would have been on a temporary interim basis. Yeah. That void looks now to have been filled by Duncan Ferguson. Um, is that the right thing to have happened? Have we missed? I say missed an opportunity. Have <coughs> you know? Should we have gone w- with Moyes and maybe a Tim Carroll combination till the end of the season, or is it right to have just got a temporary solution in Duncan or whoever that would have been, somebody else, and then gone out for a permanent manager, somebody who's obviously different to Moyes? What are our thoughts on 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 what looks like no return for Moyes? Um, well, results will dictate whether that was the right decision or not. I mean, personally. Um, I think a David Moyes interim appointment with Tim Cahill would have been good for the football club. Um, I know that doesn't hold universal uh, support amongst the Everton support base, but you're talking about you know, the Everton managers, what they've had to inherit over the last two or three years and why expectations need to be diminished. Roberto Martinez was left with an absolutely rock-solid uh, so Everton foundation to build upon by Moyes when he left. And they were playing very decent football as well last season when he left. Um, 
the experiences he's had after he's left uh, Goodison Park um, have been mixed. You know, so you can argue he was harshly, you know, sort of treated at Manchester United. Uh, he had a mixed experience in Spain, dreadful in Sunderland, but then, uh, you know, everyone's dreadful at Sunderland, but then uh, he had a very, very good experience at West Ham, took them out of the bottom three and uh, finished the season 13th. So I think he would have been a good interim appointment. I certainly wouldn't advocate him, you know, sort of being, you know, coming back to the club permanently, you know, sort of long term, but I had absolutely no qualms or no issues with that. I had arguments with people in my own family about it, people telling me that he was a, a dinosaur and it would be a retrograde step. And I say, well, no, not in the short term. I, I disagree. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen now anyway, so you know, it, it's a moot point. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but if he had been brought in short term, I wouldn't have had any, any you know, qualms about that. What do we make of the decision as it appears? Because obviously the, the, um, the prospect of Moyes until the end of the season as interim looked like it would be on the proviso to steady the ship, get the team out of trouble, but then buy the club a significant amount of time to go out and and find the right man. But the, it seems now that that's not happened. And so the time frame seems to have shrunk to go and find the right man. I wouldn't rule the rules. I wouldn't rule Moyes out. Okay. Interim, interim between the end of the season. Even though Still, the statement, yeah. even though the club's statement specifically said permanent manager, is an interim yeah. permanent? Yeah, but things change, don't they? Well, I mean, well, things I mean, change. Like we, had, we, had, we, had, uh, we had Unsworth in, didn't we, in 2017, and we tried to get a permanent manager. <laughs> I wonder if that was it then. <laughs> and we ended up going to Allardyce then, who was only ever going to be an interim manager. So I wouldn't necessarily rule out. It's it's the worst case scenario, maybe. Yeah. But I, would, I, I wouldn't say that, 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 that that's it's a completely... Gone. Gone, gone thing. That that depends on how this, you go by with yeah. getting a, a permanent manager. So I, I certainly wouldn't rule that out at this stage. Um, between from Moyes between now and the end of the season, to be honest with you, um, it, I'd say it, it's the last case, you know, last mm, case scenario. Mm. But I don't think it's 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 something that's got like a no percent chance of happening. In general, I just don't like the concept of bringing someone in with the proviso that he's only going to stay until the end of the season. Because I think you're starting on the back foot, really, aren't you? Like, in terms of just like how, how much the players are going to respect you. Like, if the if the players are just 100%. thinking, oh, well, you're only you're going to be gone at the end of the season, regardless. Then, like, I feel like you you've got to do something quite exceptional in the, the first few weeks of your of your reign, maybe, to make them think, all oh, right, I, I will I will play for this man, yeah. etc. Even if I'm speaking hypothetically, even if everybody's cards were on the table, not like Sam's situation, which was very fuzzy, even though we all thought, oh, I can't last, but we started an 18-month contract. Even if, though, say Moyes came in and it was clear it was made in black and white, Debbie Moyes is at the end of the season. We all know where we stand. Together, we've got to sort this out. Is that does that is that not a healthier way of... Yeah. I'm just, just thinking out loud again. I, I can't see Moyes taking that on that. Well, though. that's another point. Yeah, mm. and um, he'll have his West Ham experience uh, in the back of his mind there. I think the other thing as well is for the longer term at Moyes, Pranout's talked about it, management, isn't it? Who's a managing director of football? Moyes did everything, didn't he, at Everton? Yeah. But, and and yeah. would he, could he work with Marcel? On an, inter- on an interim oh, basis, he, he wouldn't he, have he, to, would he? would he? have to, but in a, in a longer term basis, yes. it doesn't strike me yeah. as one of football's natural... Uh, Natural partnerships, mm. to be honest with you. you it, know? It's a very, very tough balance and act trying to get a director of football manager partnership to work well. Tottenham tried it so many times and, yeah. and failed miserably. 
Liverpool struggled for a long time to do it until you know the Michael Edwards, Jurgen Klopp axis, you know, so finally seems to strike gold. Uh, it does take a, a lot of working out, and you know, it can be a very precarious thing to get right. And you could argue at the moment we haven't got that balance quite right. Yeah, it depends what the director of football. Your your role is can be several different things, can it? You know, I would imagine the Michael Edwards role is completely different to the Marcel Brands mm. role, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, and I think you know that that's that's the thing that Moyes, you know, that that's the thing that goes against him in any sort of yeah. permanent role. Interim, yeah, he could live with it, but even as interim, maybe thinking, I'm not so sure, you know. Have anybody got any fa- any any preference? Is is there a, is there a, a manager out there that that as a as a permanent proposition <laughs> you would like? Yeah, Tottenham have got him. No, we've we've put these names you know, to people at the football club, and uh, Jose Mourinho was was never going to be considered uh, because of the antagonism you know so he brings you know to the. Uh, to the man, to the doghouse. Also told that Rafa Benitez would never be considered, uh, you know, so for similar reasons. But beyond that, it's a fairly blank canvas. And you know, Farhad Mashiri will make the decision. He decides who he wants. Um, latest name we're hearing is Vitor Pereira, who I have to say I know very little about. And that just strikes me as being another Marco Silva, a manager who's been in charge of Olympiacos and Porto and had, you know, sort of success there. Well, isn't that exactly what Marco did? And is that significantly different? There are, you know, sort of high-level managers out there. Uh, Ancelotti, you know, so who you could argue is a bit long in the tooth, but, you know, so a proven operator. Is it Allegri, the guy from Juventus? You know, there's, um, you know there are you know, names out there. But they're all different. Yeah, they're all they're all very very different, and I, I get the impression that they don't really know who they want at the moment. I don't think that there's an absolutely overwhelming candidate out there. I mean, reading today that Arsenal have got a short list, a short list, twelve names, which they're hoping to whittle down then into a short list mm-hmm. uh, in the next like week or so, and then you know sort of identify the candidate they want. Can I just to jump in, just to jump in there, ask you this: um, Are we competing with? Arsenal for a manager or financially are we on different planes we should, we should be competing with Arsenal but we're probably not you know because they've got the appeal of the capital European football you know so arguably you know so more funds um, so you know Pochettino might have been a manager that Arsenal could have targeted but for the fact that he managed you know their fiercest rivals uh, Everson you know clearly have investigated the possibility of Pochettino but for the reasons we've just identified, it probably isn't a realistic option, you know, because of location, because of lack of European football, because of you know, sort of, you know, funds. You know, it's we're probably not, we're probably not competing with Arsenal, yeah. and that's desperately disappointing. Yeah, I think we've got to be realistic in this yeah. sort of scenario because, let's face it, a few months ago Arsenal were in the European final. Yeah, like they they and sacked the manager that got them there. Yeah, they they however many however many points above us, and their season has still been so bad that they've. Yeah. Sacked the manager already. Like I think five points above us, are they? Yeah, I, th- I think I think their ambitions are a little bit different to Everton's uh, as things yeah. stand. Like yeah, I think Everton's long term aim should be to mm. be challenging Arsenal and then pushing ahead of Arsenal. But in terms of the, the here and now, I think Ars- Arsenal's ambitions are a little bit different than Everton's. Yeah, if if you're a manager, the first thing you look at when you go to a club is what what's your turnover a year, and how much will I have to spend. And like the two things are interlinked, aren't they? So Arsenal's turnover is what 
500 million a year, isn't it? 400 million a year. Ours is 200. Mm. Liverpool says, what, fa- it's 550 now, isn't it? Whatever. Spurs about 500 million. Clubs that are two and a half times bigger than Evan. So if you're a manager, the first thing you've got to look at is those numbers because that's going to drive you. How much you can play players' wages and it's going to it's going to dictate out what players can go to the club, you know, which is like part of our being part of our problem the last three or four years. And so Arsenal is a completely different level playing field for us. And that, that dictates what manager you would get. So I think... And, and, and any prospective manager would obviously... The prospect of, of, of managing Everton in the Premier League is, is, is hugely attractive. But as you say, Gav... It's no secret. In fact, it's very, it's it's, it's open and and been talked about. Slashing wage bills, reducing yeah, squad absolutely. size. The, the the direction is buy young and cheaper and yeah and and, and develop and, pro- and progress players who will then probably be sold on and we start again and slowly. So yeah, so that does that's that's going. You know what we're selling to our manager now is completely different to what we're selling to when Cumin. Cumin came yeah. in in two thousand and sixteen, and, isn't and it? we're yeah. paying them differently. I think yeah. I think Silver was on effectively half as much money. Yeah, so um, so we are looking for a different type of manager. Ironically, something like David Moyes, two thousand and two, wouldn't be, you know, that that, that one who, who could identify young talent and then blend them in the first team and be, make them international players and then mm. sell on for a, a, a decent fee. That's exactly where we are at the moment. But isn't football's it? changed now, now yeah, because yeah, yeah. back then. That appointment was embraced by Everton supporters. Okay, yeah. we're in a fairly precarious position in the Premier League, but you know, a voracious, hungry, you know, so young manager from the Championship yeah. was warmly embraced. I don't think it would be nowadays. No, no. Uh, you know, so people want this, you know, sort of fashionable, you know, sort of foreign coach. If you look at the, yeah. I mean, somebody like Bielsa would be great, something like that. It's, it's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm just trying to think of a hungry young coach, you know, Chris Wilder type, you know, from the championship. Yeah. If Everton identified somebody like that, I suspect supporters wouldn't be particularly, you know, exactly. passionate. But you know what I'm saying, somebody, but that, that, that sort of skill set I'm always had, not, not saying somebody from the championship, but that manager with that skill set. And they're, they're very few and far between. Adam, I, sorry, Gav, do they have to have Premier League experience? Eh. Uh, yeah, for the for the scenario that Everton find themselves in now, yeah. Cause so, so if, if if the club think that way, then that narrows the search again further. Because mm. all the names, or certainly a vast number of the names that have filled the vacuum today, and you know, as as Preno alludes to, it, it would suggest that these are just names being pushed forward and into the into the sort of the, the media sphere. You know, as people have said, well, he's available. He'd be interested. He might be interested. How many of them have actually got Premier League experience? Less than half, probably. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not, it's how important is that? That, it, that they've managed in the Premier League? Because Marcel is talking, talking, sorry, spoken, sorry, about players and paying certain amounts of money or only being willing to pay to a certain level if these players have not played in England before. And obviously the premium of of Premier League experience mm. changes the goalposts. It has to apply to the managers, doesn't it? Yeah. What you know to a degree. I think if you've got a track record elsewhere, that's you know, I like he's never managed the Premier League, as he put he's got a track record, you know. But then uh, that's that's obviously that yeah. then we're talking that's, about managers yeah. we could not. No, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm just you saying, know what I'm yeah. saying is not doesn't But this is the problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, it, it's few and far between, isn't it really? And that's why there's been millions of names bandied the post, hasn't it? Really? You could you could go on. Old, young, Premier League experience, yeah. no Premier League experience, attacking, yeah. you know, defend. Um. This is a problem that we've had so many times before, though, isn't it? Like, I don't think that I w- wouldn't have said Marco Silva was a standout candidate among like 
the majority of supporters don't think Ronald Koeman was the standout candidate. Uh, Martinez might have had a little bit more support, but I don't. I wouldn't exactly say yeah, like he was the absolute one that everybody wanted. Like it, it, there's a there's still an identity problem at Everton that we don't we don't quite know. We're, like it, it was as as we've all said before, we're stuck in between the the kind of what we need right now and what we'll need for the long term to to get us playing the, the right sort of football and it, it just becomes so hard to find as as Phil said there it becomes so hard to find a manager who can get all of these qualities in one man I, th- I think the, the names you've mentioned there I mean Koeman is the one that jumps out at, I think he was pretty much universally embraced because he'd done such a good job at Southampton mm-hmm. and you know there was a lot of clamour for his you know services at the time and it was seen as a bit of a coup when Everton you know sort of secured him uh, but you could argue, you know, whether they acted too hastily in dispensing with the services at the start of that season, where you know they had a really, really, really tough fixture list to try and contend with, and the problem then was clearly the you know situation at the club was bizarre. You know, with the director of football who he couldn't bear, you know, sort of trying to work, work with him. Um, but no, it's it's uh, it's almost impossible to get a name that everybody is going to get universally behind. And, you but know, then isn't that isn't that pretty why the club? and we hope and we assume that they have a very, very specific and very focused on the list of criteria for the manager they want and whether this person is known to Evertonians or we've never heard of him, if he ticks the boxes, then Mm. go for him. Yeah, I I tell you what I think about I'm not saying he should manage Evan, but I think the manager at the moment, I think he could really do a good job for a big club down the line is a fella at Brighton. Potter. Yeah, Potter. I think he's a re- I think he's a really good manager. I watched him on Saturday at Anfield and last night two two really big games and away from home and maybe could have scrambled the points at Anfield and you know they won last night. Got lucky against us, Gav. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But now I'm saying he shouldn't be the next ever manager. But yeah. there are there are people out there who eventually I think could manage you know, then, big clubs. You know, but then and and, and yeah, I, I, t- I totally take that point. But for for us, so appointing somebody like that would be go, it's a gamble. Yeah, exactly. And he's and he's Fahad Mashiri yeah, yeah. minded to make a gamble. And, and is he fashionable enough? You know, so no, no, that, that, that's, that's it. Yeah. I, 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 but then this all comes back to who ultimately will put the names on the table yeah. for the board of directors to sign off on or, or yeah. say no to. Yeah, well, and look, if it's Marcel, yeah. then you can foresee a, t- a gamble almost. If you mm. and take, uh, in, in inverted commas, I mean, yeah. you know, he, he would have no problem delivering names that nobody's heard of if he thinks they're the right people. Yeah, it goes back to what I'm saying before. That's why I wouldn't rule Moyes out or somebody out between now and the end of the season. Because I'm not sure whether we can do... You know, that conversation we had, and like the, are, are we confident that somebody could deliver against them requirements in the next 10 days? Difficult, uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, don't, ask, don't ask us to do predictions, please. Well, yeah, I forgot about Sorry, that. Sorry, Preno. Preno may be my boss, but I will overrule him on this one. <laughs> yeah. We will do predictions. It's customary. We have to. There is a game t- to look forward to tomorrow. Back at Goodison, Adam. What's your uh, prediction for Everton versus Chelsea? Uh, I think. I think Duncan Ferguson's going to get the Goodison crowd up for it. He's going to get the winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll put himself up front. Yeah. Get the tattoo out. Through ball by Evan. <laughs> mm. uh, 2 1. To Evan. Um, you've always got to be positive, haven't you? You've got to be optimistic. I'll, I'll, I'll go for a home win. 
clean sheet, 1-0. Uh, just wow. absolutely raucous, ridiculous atmosphere. A goal in the first 15 minutes and then park the bus for 75 <laughs> minutes and get that result. Um, and what what did they say? One all on a. I think the I field, did one, you all say one, one all? Did he yeah. for the derby? Yeah, At yeah, no yeah, point yeah. was yeah. it one one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably the first time, like the the, uh, the, the pre match predictions were all being wrong by the twelfth minute or whatever it <laughs> yeah. was. You know, um, I'm not. I don't think we'll win on on Saturday. I think, but I think it'll be a tough game, mm. and I think I think we'd be lucky to escape as well. So one all is a natural uh, default. <laughs> When in doubt, always go for one all. Yeah, I, th- I think we will get something. I'm not sure we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get the win, but I think we will come away with something. And uh, as the chaps have said, Goodison should be in full full voice, which will play a huge part. Um, thank you very much for your company and your insight and opinion. Excellent as always. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.